As you have already heard a couple of times, just as reminders, uh, we sent out our phasing-in strategy, our regathering strategy by email uh, this week. Uh, a note to the Sunday School leadership, be here with me Wednesday night the 5th so we can go over the part that impacts you the most. Uh, that'll be repeated in your newsletter, the phasing-in strategy be repeated in our May newsletter as well. So pay attention to those things. Right now we're not trying to cover every piece of it. There will be some that we'll unpack a bit as we go along, but as I can already hear the excitement in the room, I know the folks online also have heard from folks that got the emails uh, how delighted we are just that we have a plan and a strategy to phase back in. That's good news, isn't it? Uh, at the same time, we're not fully lifting precautions. It's not as if the virus has gone away. It's not as if we don't need to continue to respect one another's wishes. So please continue to do that. Follow the procedures. Help us phase things in. And I know God will use it. We'll be blessed by it even more in the days ahead. The D4 groups are a direct result of what we learned during the pandemic. Now, we knew we needed to deepen our discipleship and our uh, and have small groups, more small groups to help us do that. We already knew that. And, and let me add to that, we have some ideas down the road of some other things we're going to adjust to facilitate more small groups and discipleship. But we've known for a while this was a need. But the suspension of services and the distancing and disconnecting during the pandemic exposed even more the need for us to gather in small groups to be discipled and disciple one another. And Pastor Mike prayed a lot about this, had a vision for it, brought that to me. We, we prayed, we talked, we brought this, uh, put this together. His strategy for the D4 groups, the pathway groups, is a clear strategy to help you grow as a follower of Christ and to grow in discipleship. Now, I want to talk about that for just a minute. The term discipleship, and I'll be using it a lot this morning, that term is a... Uh, a church term. It's a Christian term. And maybe it's something that you hear all the time. You're not entirely sure why we use that term or what it's about. Discipleship uh, encompasses, that term encompasses the whole pattern of you growing in your walk with Christ. Because when you became a believer in Christ, you signed on to follow Christ all of your life. You signed on to be His, as the Bible calls it, His disciple, to follow Him. And your discipleship is the pattern of growth and every and recovers every aspect of that. It's your prayer time, your Bible study, your, your time in relationship with other believers who help you grow. So that needs to be intentional and that needs to be part of your growth in Christ, that you are plugged into groups that help you grow. And that's what the D4 discipleship groups are about. D stands for discipleship or discipling. Four stands for the number in each group. One Paul with three Timothys. And they are pathway groups to remind us that growing in Christ is a journey. And we're on this pathway together. We're, we're moving forward all the time. If you're not growing in Christ, then you're not moving forward. And we all should be moving forward on this pathway and growing in Christ together. As with anything else we do, we want to give you the opportunity to do just that, to deepen your walk with Christ. The D4 groups are a model we draw directly from the New Testament. First of all, the Lord Jesus himself had the crowd. He had crowds that would come, 
And many of them would sign on at least to come when they would see him on the, the Sea of Galilee or on the beach or in town. They would gather with the crowds. They'd listen to him teach. And they would say, wow, that was great. And they would go home. Kind of a lot like church. Then you would have a smaller number of people who truly wanted to follow him and become disciples and grow with him. Then you would have an either, even smaller number of people, the apostles, who became leaders. And within the apostles, you even have a smaller number of people, Peter, James, and John, that became his inner circle. And you notice the more defined it gets, the more likely he was to select who those people were. He picked the twelve apostles. And then he invited Peter, James, and John to join him on particular occasions for very special moments to illuminate them and grow them as leaders as well. So it's a direct biblical pattern to say outside, within the body of Christ, within the congregation, we will uh, call out people uh, to be in small group Bible studies. And then even out of that, we'll select out leaders who will teach others also and have even smaller groups of people who are learning together in discipleship groups. I hope you've already signed up as a Timothy to be in a small group, to be in a D4 pathway group. If you've not, do that on the way out. Pray about it. Go by the table back there. As Pastor Mike said earlier, we're going to be assigning folks to those groups. Uh, and then and they'll get started very soon in the days ahead. So I hope you're signed on for that. This morning, we're going to focus our attention on this basic truth that God calls us to relational discipleship. God calls us to be in relationship with one another to grow intentionally as disciples of Jesus Christ. And for that, we're going to dig deeper into our focus passage. The theme for the D4 groups is 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. But we're going to widen that just a bit. So go ahead and find in your Bible 2 Timothy, the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. Find there chapter 1 and verse 13. Chapter 1 and verse 13, 2 Timothy, and hold your place there just a moment. Now, you'll recall that this letter is written by the Apostle Paul while he is imprisoned awaiting his execution. Uh, God has preserved this letter for us, and we know that it's the last of those we have of his. The last thing he wrote in his life that's preserved in the Bible is 2 Timothy. And it's named for that because it's written as a personal letter to a pastor friend of Paul's named Timothy, who was uh, a disciple of Paul's, who taught Paul, excuse me, and Paul taught Timothy how to be a follower of Christ, so in turn, Timothy could teach others also. And as Timothy grew in his faith, he became a pastor. And by the end of Paul's life, Timothy is serving a church in the city of Ephesus. And that's where Paul is, that's where Timothy is when Paul writes this letter from prison. So, this being the last thing Paul is going to write, he's focused on the essentials, and it's a very personal letter. He's focused on relationships, and focused on what he wants to say to his friend Timothy, and to other pastors and other believers who might read this letter down the road. We're going to go to chapter 1 and verse 13, because that sets up for us what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and the reason it's so significant for us as we look into the Scripture and as we apply it to being growing disciples of Christ. And more specifically, this morning we're going to talk about being enduring disciples and what enduring discipleship is. That is, discipleship that doesn't give up. 
Discipleship that keeps growing you, keeps strengthening you. And discipleship that helps a disciple make it through difficult times. So look at this with me. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to start reading at verse 13. As Paul is writing Timothy, he's really just introducing what he wants to say. And he says, Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit of, through the Holy Spirit uh, who lives in us. You know that all those in the province of Asia have, desert, have deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Aren't those great names? Hermogenes. It sounds like something you would do to milk. Isn't it? Verse 16. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. And on the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me. May the Lord grant that he obtained mercy from him on that day. And on that day is a biblical phrase that refers to the second coming of Christ and the last judgment. Then the last thing he says, you know very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. Now, look what Paul has done. Paul has made a distinction for Timothy between two groups of people that they all know. First is that group of people from Asia, those, those people who said they were disciples, and they've been alongside Paul, but now that Paul is in prison, they're ashamed of him, and they have departed. They've left. They've turned their backs on him. And the implication is, therefore, they have turned their backs on ministry as well. And Paul doesn't say that they've left the faith, nothing like that. But what he does say is they did not endure in the faith. When things got difficult, they didn't stay. They weren't sticky in their discipleship. So then Paul makes a distinction between them. And he says, now, Timothy, you and I both know this man named Onesiphorus. And he has stayed with me. He has ministered to me. He's a servant of the gospel. He's the kind of person, Timothy, that you and I should emulate. And we want to see other believers imitate him because he endured in his discipleship. He wasn't embarrassed about me being in prison. He wasn't worried about what might happen to him because of his faith and his association with me. Onesiphorus stuck. And he's a sticky disciple. And that's the kind of disciple, Timothy, I want you to be. Paul's making a distinction between disciples who endure and disciples who don't. We've been through a very difficult time and still going through a difficult time for a lot of believers. The pandemic has tested our endurance. And I believe our endurance as disciples. I believe that many people who thought or claimed to be disciples of Jesus Christ were actually churchgoers. And as soon as things got a little bit uncomfortable, as soon as things were not the way they wanted them to be, those folks have wilted away and drifted off. I don't know if we'll see them again. I sure hope so. And you may have found that the pandemic, the distancing, the suspension, things not going the way that you like, or the schedule not being what you were accustomed to, that that impacted your endurance and discipleship. Maybe you've given up on that devotional time. Maybe you're not having that quiet time. Maybe you've dropped out of a weekly group Bible study in your neighborhood. Maybe you're not leading out in your Sunday school class like you used to. Maybe you're a leader and you're not plugged into the ministry that you were leading before the pandemic. There's a variety of ways that God may speak to your heart and say, we're talking about endurance here, and you've got an endurance problem. God calls us to relational, intentional discipleship that endures. 
Because that's the kind of discipleship that endures. That's Paul's admonition to Timothy, as we're going to read next in chapter 2. But we're going to do something. I want to do something different. Uh, You probably know, if you've studied the Bible a lot, that the chapters and the verses were not originally in the Greek letters, the Greek text. Like when Paul wrote 2 Timothy, there weren't chapters and verses in it. We put those in later so we could study. So, so I could say to you, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 instead of saying, you've got to find this word with me. But when Paul originally wrote, wrote the letter, he didn't have chapters and verses. So I want us to read it out loud with the flavor that Paul wrote it. Go back with me to chapter 1 and verse 18, and then we're going to go right into chapter 2. Listen to what Paul says. May the Lord grant that he obtain mercy from him on that day. You know very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you see that transition? You know Onesiphorus, so you do the same thing. Timothy, let him be your role model. Timothy, let him be a picture of endurance for you. And Timothy, that's why it matters. You must endure in these difficult times. If you find that your endurance has waned, take heed to what we're going to say today. And get plugged into discipleship that endures. Decide today that from this point forward, your discipleship, your walk with Christ, your patterns and habits of being a disciple of Jesus will be the kind that endure. Let's look at three characteristics of discipleship that endures this morning. And, and, and let this be an examination of your discipleship as well. And let God show you this morning how you're doing and how you've been doing during the pandemic. And whether you've been strong in the faith, whether you've been walking with Christ, whether you've waned or withered or endured, and you continue to do that. Three characteristics of discipleship that endures. First of all, discipleship that endures is personal. Discipleship that endures is personal. You now, Timothy. You, therefore, Timothy. In the Greek language, there's not an exclamation point that they can stick on the end of sentences to add emphasis. So what they often do is they move the most important word to the front of the sentence. And that's what Paul did here. He repeats you twice as we read it. And the second time he's pointing his finger at Timothy. You, therefore, you, therefore, be strong in the grace of God that is in, that is in Christ Jesus. This is personal, Timothy. And there's an, uh, an element of urgency behind it. Timothy, this is an imperative. It's important that if you're going to endure, no matter what happens, if, you're going to, if your discipleship, your walk with Christ is going to endure, you, you, Timothy, you need to take responsibility for that. And it's urgent. He puts that focus on the personal nature of our walk with Christ. It's a reminder, folks, that you are responsible. You are responsible for your walk with Christ. I'm responsible for my walk with Christ. I can give you the tools for it. I can help you understand it. I can answer questions. And I can preach the gospel with you and worship with you. But at the end of the day, it's you that's responsible for your walk with Christ. It's personal. You must own that. And and that basic truth, that basic fact. The worst thing that has happened to Christianity in our culture or any culture is that we have adopted the notion 
that our discipleship is the responsibility of the church or of the pastors or of our parents. Your discipleship, your walk with Christ is your responsibility. If it's waning and it's weak, that's your responsibility. Take ownership of that. Then Paul reminds Timothy, and he states a principle here of being a disciple and walking with Christ. He says, how you do that first and foremost is by being strong. It's an ongoing tense for be strong and always be strong in the grace of God that's in Christ Jesus. Now, you and I both know what grace is. We're saved by grace through faith. And, and we know the definition. Grace is unmerited favor. It's God loving us just because He loves us. It's God saving us because we call on Him for salvation, not because we earn it. Earning is, and being good is the opposite of receiving grace. We can't be saved by earning it and being good. We're saved by God's grace when we call on Him in our desperation. We cry out and say we are sinners. We agree with God and what He said of us and we repent of our sin. And come to Christ in faith. And the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. We know that. But sometimes we forget that we live by grace. In faith in Jesus Christ. Because the opposite of that is defaulting to our own goodness and our own righteousness. The opposite of that is the temptation always to think that I will be strong if I take care of myself. And I can be strong and be a disciple if I'm just a churchgoer. If I do religion on my terms, I can still be strong. And I can still endure. Never realizing that we're still putting the focus back on what we can do. And we're ignoring the power and the strength of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace and we live by grace. And we tap into the power of God to endure as disciples by trusting Christ day by day. The term translated, be strong, gives us our word dynamo. Timothy, be a dynamo of the gospel, but not in your own strength, in the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Be dynamic, be strong, Walk in power and grace in Jesus Christ. Timothy, this is personal. Timothy, this is up to you to trust God every day as a disciple of Jesus. Your discipleship will endure and stay strong if you own it. If you live it. If you say, God, forgive me for not being in your word, but God, I'm going to get back on track. God, forgive me for not being part of a group that helps me grow, but God, I'm going to get back on track. Take ownership of it. It's personal. And the grace of God is that environment where you find your strength and you grow. You probably know this past Wednesday uh, was Professional Administrative Assistance Day. Or Administrator's Day. I don't know if I said that right. Anyway, it's the day we thank Nancy and Christy for keeping the office running despite the pastors. Right? Yes, go ahead. We thank them so much. Because they do. They keep the office going. And while we're, while we're doing that, while we're paused for a minute, I sure do wish there were a Facilitator's Manager's Day. Because they keep the office going. Marvin keeps the building going. And I appreciate Marvin doing that. But I'm not going to give Marvin flowers. We did, however, the staff gave some flower arrangements to the ladies to show our appreciation this week. Very small for all the big things they do, but to show our appreciation. Interesting thing happened. Uh, we found out the next day, after the flowers came, the next day we found out uh, that one of those flower pots did not have that 
little piece of styrofoam stuck in it. Now, all my life, I just thought that styrofoam was decoration. I really did. I thought it was just a great idea to keep the flowers standing up straight. Turns out, it holds the water in there. It actually serves as an environment to feed those flowers. The very next day after they were delivered, the one that had the styrofoam feeding the flowers had very happy flowers. The one that had, did not have the styrofoam uh, retaining the water and feeding the flowers, those flowers had already wilted. Can you believe that? One day after they came, there was water in the pot. But the flowers weren't taking hold and wilting. They had wilted. Now, don't worry. We took those back and got a replacement. The point is obvious. You can try on your own to feed your spiritual life. But when you do that, you're out of the environment of grace that gives you strength and cultivates your discipleship and helps you grow. You need that environment of grace. You need to remind yourself every day it's because of Christ and His grace that you were saved. And you live in the grace of God day by day. And you draw your strength and you draw your power to live and to endure in your discipleship from Jesus Christ in faith. You live in Christ and you walk in Christ. Enduring discipleship is personal because you make a personal decision to cultivate your faith, to stand strong, and to walk in Christ. Secondly, discipleship that endures, enduring discipleship, is always relational. It's always relational. This is the pattern of the church. This is the pattern of the church. What I have passed on to you, taught you, Paul says, in the company of many witnesses. Right away, Paul establishes in verse 2 that there is a community of believers and Timothy's discipleship has taken place in this community of believers. Uh, he's not a lone wolf in this. He's not out there by himself. There's a community of believers. Now, when Paul says, what I have taught you, first of all, he's talking about the content of his teaching, the content of the truth, the content of the gospel. He says, in the company of... Of many witnesses. Now, he doesn't mean that he set Timothy down and a bunch of people were in the room. And every time Timothy had a teaching session, and Paul stood there in the front and he talked to Timothy while everybody listened in. What Paul's referring to is the community of faith that can verify everything that Paul teaches is what Paul has taught to everyone else. That community of faith can verify the truth of the gospel and the truth of what's been told. And disciples that have preceded Timothy become teachers of that truth also, just as Timothy becomes a teacher of that truth. It's the community of faith that verifies the ongoing truth. And along with that, that holds one another accountable. This is why it's so necessary that you have a Paul teaching you as a Timothy and that you have a small group you gather in so you can learn from one another. Because it's easy when you listen to the world, it's easy to stray from the truth. You need accountability in a community. And by this also, Paul witnesses to the fact that the church is the community of faith to whom God has entrusted the truth of the gospel. We hold that truth. We keep that truth. And we teach that truth to one another. You can't do that without relationships and without people. What I have taught you, Paul says, in the company of many witnesses. We're a community 
of faith and relationships. Those relationships keep us accountable for the truth of the gospel. We need each other. Not just to sit beside one another in church, but to walk together through life. To do life together as disciples of Jesus Christ. In the Bible, discipleship is always relational. Now, does that mean when we have discipleship classes and and like Disciple Life, which will open back up later in the summer, that that's not discipleship? No, what that is, I mean, that's not what that means. Yes, that is discipleship. It's it's a larger group of relationships, a larger kind of teaching component. That's not a substitute for that smaller group of relationships and accountability. But we're all part of that same community. And that community of faith is what holds us accountable. Discipleship that endures is always relational. Because you have people with you that will walk with you. People during the pandemic that will help you pull through. People that will hold you accountable for the truth and living for Christ and living the gospel. And you might say, well, you know, Pastor Mike alluded to this. Well, I want to know who the Pauls are before I sign up to be a Timothy. And then I want to know what other Timothys are going to be in the group to see if any of my friends are in the group. Well, you're kind of missing the point. Okay? You have friends in church. And you might think sometimes, well, you know, my Christian friends disciple me. Maybe so. That's good. But let me ask you a question. When it comes down to it, will those Christian friends, those people you play golf with, those people you go shopping with, those people you raise your kids with, when it comes down to it, will they point at the Bible and hold you accountable for hard truth? Will they call you up and say, listen, we need to talk about this. Or do you feel like you can call them up because you know they are objective about you? You know they will speak objective truth into your life, biblical truth. Can you call them up and say, I've got a problem. I'm being tempted. I've made a bad decision. You Can you talk with me? That's discipleship. That's relational discipleship. I'm glad you have friends. God bless you. That's great. But that doesn't mean you do not need a discipling relationship in the community of faith. You do. You do life together in discipleship. You grow together in discipleship. And that's why you endure in that relationship as you're discipled together. Enduring discipleship is personal. It's your decision, your walk with Christ. It's relational. It's in small groups in a community of faith that holds us accountable for our walk with Christ. And then last, it's intentional. Discipleship that endures is always intentional. Not accidental. We don't lead discipleship to chance. We don't say, boy, I sure do hope that I grow in my faith. That's church going. And that's one of the problems with just being a church goer. You come occasionally, you sit back, you might even go to Sunday school occasionally. You let somebody else do the hard work. While your path is, and listen to this, you know what that makes you? That makes you a consumer. That's not a disciple. A disciple is a person who intentionally does the hard work to grow in Christ and does whatever is needed to do. Paul says to Timothy, what you have heard from me, what I've taught you in the company of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will teach others also. Let's break it down. 
Intentionality shows up in that passage and in our enduring discipleship. It shows up in two ways. First, with an intentional purpose. There's an intentional purpose here. Intentionally, Timothy, commit what I have taught you to others who can teach others as well, who can carry on. Discipleship is a transmission process from person to person to person. Small groups that produce small groups, relationships that produce relationships. And the intentional purpose is to commit that teaching and commit the gospel from person to person. The term translated commit can mean entrust, or more literally, give for safekeeping. Give to them for safekeeping. Commit to them because you know they will guard the truth. And in guarding the truth, they will transmit it. They will pass it along to others. So the first intentional thing that discipleship means is that we are transmitting the truth. We are passing along intentionally the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we don't do that to just anyone. We want everyone to be disciples. But we have to pick out particular people who will disciple others also. So first we disciple disciplers, who in turn will disciple more disciplers, who will in turn disciple more disciples. Multiplication. So there's an intentional purpose. There's also intentional people. Timothy, you need to look for specific people, Paul says. Faithful men who will teach other also. Teach, that shows us something about the character of the discipler as well as the qualifications of the discipler. The character of the discipler, as Paul puts it, as we read it, is faithful. The term means they are reliable. They are reliable and trustworthy. If I teach you the gospel of Jesus Christ, if I disciple you, I want you to be reliable enough, faithful enough to teach others also. And it also means that I need to know you are reliable with the gospel. You're not going to tweak the truth. You're not going to add a little Oprah Winfrey to the Apostle Paul. That's not happening. You're going to stick with Scripture and you're going to teach the truth whether people feel good when they hear it or whether they don't feel so great because it puts the truth in front of them, but it's the truth. And faithful people can be entrusted with the Gospel to speak the truth. Lovingly, not harshly, but lovingly. They're disciples who will make more disciples. And that's their qualification. They are qualified to teach others also. Paul means by this they have a spiritual gift of teaching, but he also means they are qualified to know how to teach and to facilitate. And remember, he's not looking for people necessarily that can stand in front of the room and expound on the Bible. He's looking for people that can sit in a small group and share the Word of God, that can interact with people and answer their questions and their struggles. Now, those people are usually good at standing in the room and expounding on the Word of God as well. But what we're looking for here are people that can gather up the small group and they are qualified to teach the gospel and teach the truth because they're reliable and because they're gifted. In their giftedness, they're patient. In their giftedness, their lifestyle demonstrates they are enduring disciples as well. In their giftedness, they, they have a sense of humor. And, and their giftedness shows in that you feel like, as a Timothy, you can call up your Paul and talk to them about your problems. And their giftedness shows that as you build that relationship, you go through life together. Your good, your, your good times, your ups, your downs, you're in this group together. And you're growing together. And you're learning the gospel 
and the truth together. An intentional purpose passed along intentionally to people. That again will intentionally raise others up as well and teach them the gospel. We don't take it for granted and we don't take it by chance. If you want accidental discipleship, you want to just hope one day, someday you'll endure in your discipleship. If you want to just show up in heaven one day and Jesus asks you how you grew in Christ and you want your answer to be accidentally, or I have no idea, I thought that was all there was to it, then just stay a churchgoer. See, that's what a churchgoer does. A churchgoer relies on discipleship by chance. I might catch the Bible now and then, but it don't make a whole lot of difference whether I understand it. Hey, I was in church today. Let's go on and do our thing. But a disciple is an intentional, intentionally walking with Christ, connecting with other intentional disciples of Jesus to grow in their faith. If that's what you want, you need to be in a D4 group or a like-minded discipleship relationship that will help you do just that. Discipleship that endures is always intentional. It's not accidental. So we don't take for granted who's in these groups and who's leading these groups. Discipleship that endures, it builds, it grows, it develops in your heart, and it helps you prepare for difficult times in the days ahead. That's why it's called discipleship that endures. You are enduring through the difficult times. And my prayer for all of you here and at home is that you are enduring through the pandemic. And when you look back on it, you found out, wow, yes, I, had, I was a sticky disciple at the outset. And my walk with Christ has even been strengthened by the grace of God in Jesus Christ as I have walked with Him through this pandemic. But if you're one of those that says, I've been waning and weak away from the Word of God, or I've drifted away, from God's people during this time. It is time to come back. It's time to start building and growing and cultivating enduring discipleship. Because this is not your last struggle. This is not the last time your walk with Christ is going to be challenged. And I think you would agree with me that the state and condition of our country and that it's in Christians and our faith and our walk is going to be challenged even more in the days ahead. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? In 1976, uh, Colin Powell became General Colin Powell. You all know who he was. 1976, he was the commander of the 101st Airborne Division. Uh, and they had their annual boxing tournament. They had a great coach. One of the officers there was a great coach of the boxing uh, in their brigade of the boxers that they would pull together for the boxing tournament across the army and across the different divisions. So they, they pulled all the fighters together, and what they lacked was a featherweight fighter, 120 to 125 weight in that place there. And at first they said, well, we won't worry about that, because their research showed that none of the other divisions had a featherweight fighter either. No problem there, we won't worry about it. But then the coach came to Colin Powell and said, now wait a minute, that means if we have a featherweight and they don't, he doesn't have to fight, they forfeit, and we move up in the bracket. Sounds good to me. So they started looking for someone and they found a man named Pee Wee Preston. Pee Wee Preston was a soldier in their brigade, had never been in a fight, 
professionally or otherwise. Never put on boxing gloves in his life. Didn't know anything about fighting. Well, they pulled him in the side and said, would you be willing to do this? And he said, well, I don't know. You know, what, what's my incentive? And they said, well, there's two, two incentives we can give you. First of all, you don't have to go to Panama for jungle training with everybody else in your brigade because you're going to be training for the fight. He said, I'll do it. The second incentive, though, they went in and told him was, as far as we know, there are no other featherweights. All you're going to be doing is forfeiting, or they will forfeit. All we'll do is accept the forfeit, and you'll probably never have to fight. Probably, but as far as we know. Good, sounds good. And then suddenly he said, but I want to train. And they agreed, you should train. He said, absolutely. So he went into weeks and weeks of training for upcoming boxing matches he assumed he would never have. And by the time the time came, he was in the best physical condition of his life. Pee Wee Preston, barely 125 pounds, came out to fight when there was nobody to fight. Trained for it in the best condition of his life. The first night, it went exactly as they expected. No other brigade had a featherweight. Pee Wee dressed out, showed up, stepped in the ring, the other side forfeited. They got the points. Second night, same thing. Pee-wee dressed up, stepped in the ring. They forfeited. They got the points. The other side forfeited. They got the points. Third night, the brigade they were up against apparently heard about this. They flew in a former featherweight champion serving in the Army. Got him suited up. Got him ready. Getting ready to go into the ring, Colin Powell and the coach looked at Pee Wee Preston and said, we'll forfeit. You don't have to fight this guy. And here's what Pee Wee Preston said. He said, we will not forfeit for two reasons. One is, I trained for this. You don't know how to fight. Well, I trained. And the second reason was, I don't want to let down the other guys. They're all getting ready to ship out. And I want them to know that I stuck it out. I don't want them to think I walked away at the last minute. I'll go into the ring. So he did. In the first round, the featherweight fighter flown in for this moment, came out swinging. He pounded on Pee Wee, who did nothing but stand still in the first round. He, he kept his gloves up. He, he blocked some. Did not throw a single punch. Took every hit the guy had and stood there. Because he was in the best physical condition of his life. Had no idea how much it would matter until somebody actually started pounding on him. But it did matter. Bell rang for the second round. Same guy comes out. Now he's a little bit frustrated. They told me this fellow had never fought in a match before. And he comes out swinging. And he is wailing away on Pee Wee who does nothing but stand there. And this guy's exhausting himself. He's sweating. He's frustrated. That round's over. Third round comes. Pee-wee does the same thing. Steps out. This time, the other guy's a little tired. And he's a little frustrated. And he's especially confused. And he walks out. And he starts to take these swings at Pee-wee, which now are not nearly as aggressive. Don't have nearly the power behind them. And suddenly Pee Wee steps back and hits him as hard as he can, right square in the face. Now, it doesn't knock him down, but he gives up. 
He drops his gloves, he backs away, and he forfeits the match. And Pee Wee wins because he was in the best shape of his life, and he endured. Is it hard to get the message? You will not endure if you're not prepared. Don't ask, why do I have to get ready? Be obedient. Be a disciple of Christ. Get in a discipling relationship and and practice discipleship that endures. Build and cultivate those patterns that give you strength in the grace of God. And you will live your life for Christ. And you will find when you come out the other side of problems, frustrations, pandemics, or persecution that you stood for Christ and you even grew because of it. You might have got hit a few times, but you kept standing. And you glorified God in your life. Is that you? Is that who you want to be? Follower of Christ, let this be the day that you say, you know what? I want to be an enduring disciple. I want to get in relationships that help me grow. I want to return to the Word of God and to prayer. I want to stop trying to be an accidental disciple. And I want to be an intentional disciple for Jesus Christ. And maybe you find that you are one of those that have barely endured through this pandemic. God's showing you what you need to do to endure in the days ahead. Grow as a disciple. And maybe you're in the house or online You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You've never become a follower of Christ, a disciple. Maybe you're a churchgoer. But today you realize the difference. In a moment I'm going to pray with you and invite you to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I'm going to pray for all of us believers in Christ, for you as well, well, to recommit your life to following Christ. Start over today in a discipling relationship with Jesus Christ. Start over today saying, I follow Christ and I will grow in that relationship. No matter what. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to this point, this moment, God, which is a turning point for us. And maybe you've been showing us where we are in our walk with you. First of all, God, for those of us that we've been trying to be accidental disciples, we joined the church, we got baptized, we've done all those things, Father, but we've never grown in our faith. We just take for granted that coming to church is all there is or that somehow we can be an accidental disciple. Father, for all of us, I ask your forgiveness for that. As your word is clear, that our discipleship must be personal. It must be intentional. It must be relational. Father, help us now to change that, to grow intentionally in our walk with Christ. I pray for believers in this room and at home. God, that we would recommit our lives to Christ today. Help us to do that. And Father, for those who would pray that prayer, Father, today we recommit our life to following Christ, to being a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, to enduring no matter what. And Father, for those in the house or at home, if we've never trusted Christ as our Savior, maybe we've been a churchgoer, but we realize today we've never taken that step of faith to invite Christ into our lives. God, today I pray this prayer with them. We pray this prayer together that they would trust Christ as their Savior. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I know I can't save myself. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and that you're alive today. So Jesus, I ask you in faith, come into my heart, into my life. Forgive me of my sins and I repent of my sin and turn away from the old life. And Jesus, today I commit to following Christ every day for the rest of my life. Heavenly Father, may we all be faithful disciples 
of Jesus Christ. Where we wane and wither, where we're weak in our faith, show us that. Show us that, God, that we would confess it, repent of it, and strengthen our faith in the grace of God that's in Jesus Christ. I pray, God, for all of us, Father, and for those believers that need to take another step of faith to sign up for a D4 group or to join fellowship of First Baptist Church or to get back in your word personally and privately. Whatever you're showing us, Father, we need to do. God, I pray for us we would make that commitment and we would do that today. Help us to take those steps of faith that further our progress in growing in Christ. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.